Good morning, everyone. Let's start off by giving the youth band a hand uh, for start off by reading from Luke chapter 21. So if you have your Bibles, uh, feel free to follow along. We're going to start at verse 5. Some of his disciples began talking about the majestic stonework of the temple and the memorial decorations on the walls. But Jesus said, the time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Teacher, they asked, when will all this happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to take place? He replied, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and saying the time has come, but don't believe them. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. Then he added, nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and there will be famines and plagues in many lands, and there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You will be dragged into synagogues and prisons, and you will stand trial before kings and governors, because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So don't worry in advance how to answer the charges against you. For I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, will betray you. They will even kill some of you, and everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But not a hair off your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your souls. And when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. Then he gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will last forever. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness, by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware, like a trap, for that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Now when you hear verses like this, is, is this kind of where your mind goes to? when it comes to the end of the world. And as soon as somebody starts talking about it, uh, we get excited. Is this the time somebody's finally got it right? We're infatuated with this subject. We want to know how and when. What's going to take place after? What will be the results? 
Now, um, think about all the predictions that have been made. Uh, think about December 21st, 2012. The Mayan calendar ended that day, and many people were saying, this is the end of the world. This is when humanity will cease to exist. And that day came and went, and much to my delight, we got to have our Christmas Eve celebration because we put a lot of work into that, and we were frustrated. Um, but people like to look at the stars. They like to look at ancient calendars. They like to look at ancient manuscripts and, and the Bible, current events, break up the calculators, crunch the numbers, and say, this is the day and the time that Christ will appear. And there's been many of these predictions, but the ones that have come to pass we see that they've been wrong um, by evidence that the fact we're reading here this morning. And, and so they have a horrible losing record of predicting the end of the world. Now Jesus has given us a timeline in Luke 21 uh, of events that lead up to the end of the world. And the first thing Jesus says is, watch out for false messiahs who claim that they are Christ or Jesus' return. And then start telling you that the end of the world or, or judgment day is soon giving you a specific day and time. Now I did some research, and beginning along in the 19th century, so this doesn't count the people before this, so in 1800 on, there have been 32 people who have claimed that they were Jesus Christ returned and actually had a following. Now most of them proved that they weren't when they carried out acts such as terrorism, murder, or mass suicide. But for example, right now there's a guy living in Australia, his name is A.J. Miller, and he claims that he is Jesus Christ returned, and that his partner is Mary Magdalene. And so Jesus says, these people are going to appear and say, I am Jesus and the end is near. He says, don't follow them. These, this is one of the signs that will take place leading up to the end. Jesus says that when you see wars and revolutions, that you don't need to be frightened or alarmed by them. Because these things will take place leading up to the end of the world. Now, we hear of revolutions taking place constantly throughout the entire world. Think of what's developed in Egypt over the last few years. And there's always news coming out of there. Since 1900 alone, there have been over 175 recorded wars worldwide. So we turn on the TV, and we're not really surprised to see that there's a conflict developing in a nation or between two different nations. Jesus said, these things will take place up until my return. Jesus says that the disciples, his, his followers, should expect persecution. But when this happens, the Holy Spirit is going to give them the words to say, to testify about Christ. He says families will betray one another, some disciples will be put to death, and not a hair of their head will perish. So we see in, in the early parts of Acts, Peter and John are the first two disciples who are persecuted for preaching Christ, but Stephen is the first disciple who was killed for witnessing for Christ in Acts chapter 80. But this continues today. There's a pastor named Saeed Abedini, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but he's an Iranian-born man, but he, he has American citizenship, and he converted from Islam to Christianity. And he lives in the States, but he often goes back to his home country of Iran to visit his family. Now, on a recent trip, he was put in prison back in September of 2012, and his crime is the fact that he is a Christian. He's seen as a threat to Iran's national security. And he's in Iran's most notorious prison, where he's being beaten and where he's being tortured. And so we're praying for, for people like Pastor Saeed and, and the thousands like him who are being persecuted 
simply because they are Christians for witnessing for Christ. We pray that they'll be faithful. We pray that they will be released. Now there's a lot of this taking place all over the world. If you want to know more about it, you can check out Voice of the Martyrs website or Open Door Ministries or something you can actually go to coming up in two weeks from uh, this weekend is called Jesus to the Nations. It's taking place really close to here uh, down at Mount St. Vincent University, March 22nd to the 24th. We've got information out there if you want to check out more on that. But Jesus also says that Jerusalem will be surrounded by armies and that the temple will be destroyed at this time. And we talked about this a few weeks ago when the Roman general Titus in the year of 70 AD surrounded the city and he sieged it. Now Jesus says, get out of the city when you see this start happening. And many times when, you, when a nation was being attacked, the idea was get inside the walls. But Jesus says, don't go in there because it's going to be very severe. The city won't last. The temple will be destroyed. Now just to give you an idea of how severe, how bad this was, the Rome, or sorry, Jewish historian Josephus, he says that things got so severe inside the city that parents ate their young to survive. So Jesus make a prediction of a severe judgment for the city of Jerusalem. Now when Jesus was prophesying these things, they were future events. He was saying they're going to come soon. But today we look at them and we say, many of them have been fulfilled and many of them continue today. Now Jesus prophesied also at this time that there's going to come times when there's signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And that they'll be like nothing we've ever seen before. He says on earth there's going to be famines, there's going to be plagues. Nature will behave in ways that we've never seen before. And it's going to be terrifying. He's not just saying there's going to be some subtle changes because of global warming or, or anything like that. He's saying this is going to be scary. It, it's going to terrify people. It will be like nothing we've previously experienced. Now every once in a while, somebody will look at the, the events taking place in the world. They'll look at passages in scripture and they'll do some math, and they'll say, this is the time that Christ is going to return. This is when Jesus will return to earth. The end will come. Most recently, we know of Harold Camping, um, who made many predictions, and he said that on May 21st, Christ will return in 2011. And he used something called numerology, where you take uh, biblical texts, and you look at current events, you crunch the numbers, and again, you say, this is, this is when Christ will return. Well, May 21st came and went, and we were still there May 22nd, and Camping went back to his math, and he said, I must have made an error. And he said, no, it's actually October of 2011. Well, that came and went, and Camping was wrong once again. Surprise, surprise. Now, when somebody <laughs> says that I, I've, I've got a passage that, and, and world events that point to a specific day and time, we have to ask them, in your studies... Did you stumble across the verse in Matthew 24, 36, where Jesus says this, No one knows the day or hour. The angels in heaven don't know, and the Son himself doesn't know. Only the Father knows. So unless God is giving this guy inside information, which we doubt, he's wrong. And so to give camping some credit, after both those predictions and the several other ones were wrong, he did admit that he was wrong in doing that, and he pointed to Matthew 24, 36, and said he was sinful for ignoring that verse. But here's, here's the truth regarding the end of the world and Christ's return. Only God knows. 
We can't know. But Jesus says there's certain signs that you are to watch for that is getting closer. And he says that when these signs start taking place, keep your head up, for your redemption is near. His return is getting closer. So we can't know a specific day or time when Christ will return, but we can know certain things. We do know that we are closer today to Christ's return than we were 2,000 years ago when he made this prophecy. We do know that we are closer this morning to Christ's return than we were last night. Especially when you set your clocks ahead, it just moves the whole thing forward. But we're not gaining time. And this could happen at any time. Christ could return at any moment. Now, think of when a woman uh, is, is pregnant, she reaches her due date, and she's gone past it. So you know something is going to happen soon. The baby will arrive soon. And then certain things start taking place. Her, her water breaks, contractions begin, and you're waiting and in anticipation that the baby will make its arrival. Jesus is saying, this is kind of like... What's going to happen? You're going to see certain signs and that move towards that I'm going to return. Now, on a completely unrelated note, we want to congratulate our other associate pastor, Jim Midget, and Samara Midget on the birth of their daughter, Olivia, Olivia Louise Midget, who was born Thursday night at 11.41 p.m. She is nice and healthy, nine pounds on the nose. So we look forward to having them here next week with us. But Jesus keeps going in Luke chapter 21, verse 33. Jesus says this, Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. So what Jesus is saying here is that the things I am speaking, the things I say are more certain, they're more true, they're more permanent than anything you can touch, feel, taste, smell, sense, experience here on earth. My words are forever. They're permanent. Now we know what Jesus said about false messiahs appearing has been true. We know that Jesus' prediction on, on persecution for the church has happened. We know that Jesus was correct about wars and revolutions. We know that Jesus was correct about the siege of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. So we have to believe that the other things Jesus has said are going to come to pass, that they are true. And what we do with this is we take Jesus' following warning in these verses very seriously. In verses 34 to 36 of Luke 21, Jesus says, Don't let your hearts be dulled or weighed down with partying, drunkenness, and the worries of life. So we shouldn't be making this side of life more enjoyable, the better side, because it's not the forever or the eternal side. It's temporary. Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 to 39. Jesus gives this warning. He says, When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man returns. And Jesus is saying, don't lose focus while you're here. Saying, pay attention. Don't be caught by surprise. Be ready. Be found faithful when Christ returns because his return is certain. Jesus says, keep spiritually alert that you might be strong enough to escape the coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. 
Now Jesus has told us persecution is going to happen. Like what Pastor Saeed is going through and thousands of other Christians around the world. And Jesus said we need to be praying that those people have strength, but we ourselves will have the strength to be faithful if it comes. And it is a real possibility. And many times the temptation, when going in our own strength, will be to quit, might be to give up. But Christ says, pray, ask that God will give you the strength. In verses 12 to 19, Jesus says that disciples will be put on trial for following them. Some of them will stand before synagogues, before governors. They might be put before a court for following him. And he says, when you go into these situations, don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't have a previous script lined out. He said, depend on the Holy Spirit in these times, and I will give you the words. I will give you such wisdom, such words, that people won't be able to refute or oppose you. Rely on the Holy Spirit in these times. Jesus says, if that you side with him, you're going to be hated. And a Christian really won't win many popularity contests, if any. You can't please the world and Jesus. Now, he says some Christians will be hated and betrayed by family for calling them Jesus Lord and Savior. But Jesus says that if you stand firm, if you remain faithful to the end, you're going to gain eternal life, even though your physical body will die. Now, James chapter 1, verse 12 says this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. After they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. God promises a reward for the faithful. This is why we celebrate when a Christian passes from this life into eternity because it's better. They've gone home. We got to do that yesterday for Bill Mills. He's gone to a better place. He's gone home. But when we hear this list of persecution, betrayal, death, hatred, hardship for the Christian, our first urge isn't to ask, where do I sign up for this? We want to know, get me away from that. It's kind of like asking for a volunteer to be the punching bag, the human punching bag for a professional boxer or a UFC fighter. If you do that, if you sign up for this, you're going to come through on the other side hurt and bruised and experiencing pain, there's a good chance. But Jesus says, if you live for me, if you're faithful, it's going to be worth it. Now the temptation when you hear of persecution, betrayal, death, uh, hatred, but that Jesus is saying it's going to be worth it, is that we fix our eyes on heaven and we say, how good is it going to be when we get there? None of these things will be here. And it's going to be much better. But sometimes when we do this, it hinders our capabilities of carrying out Jesus' mission. Of fulfilling what he calls us to do here. Because we make it our goal to get to heaven with minimal pain, with minimal damage, by not drawing too much attention to ourselves or the fact that we are Christians. But I don't think that's what Jesus wants. He doesn't want our fears to hinder his mission for us. In Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, Jesus has, has been resurrected here, and his disciples are asking some questions. They ask, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Again, we can't know these things. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what Jesus is saying is for the Christian, while you're here, your job is to witness, because the time of judgment is coming upon the earth. And there's going to be people who are going to be caught off guard. They'll be caught by surprise. And so what Jesus says, while you're here, make the most of every opportunity that you have, but live with great anticipation of your future hope of heaven. And so what I want us to understand is that the main mission of the church, the main mission for a Christian is not to fix the wrongs and the injustices in this world, because that's something we cannot do. The primary responsibility of a Christian is to be a witness, where we tell what we've seen, heard, felt, and experienced in Christ. We're called to share the message of the gospel, which is the message of hope. It's a message of love, grace, peace, and restoration, not to do those things. No matter how many people the church feeds, there will still be people who go to bed hungry. No matter how many people the church liberates from sex trafficking and sex slavery, there's still going to be people who end up in that lifestyle. No matter how many peace treaties are signed in this world, there's still going to be wars, there's still going to be revolutions. And many times it's going to look like the church is losing ground and that evil is winning. Now these things should upset us when we see these things taking place in the world. And we should do what we can to help those who are suffering from them. But no matter how many programs and ministries and events the church can put on, these things will still take place. The church is not the final answer to all the world's problems. What should have set the church most, though, is that every day we get closer and closer to Christ's return. And many people do not know Jesus Christ. And when He returns, people will be caught by surprise. And they'll stand before God guilty of sin. The scripture says that the, the wages of sin, the penalty of sin, what you earn from sin is death. It's hell. And this is for everyone. Now Jesus describes hell as a place where the fire is never quenched. You can't put it out. The worm never dies. It's a place of crying and of great pain. It's a place of eternal punishment and torment, excluded from the presence of God. And when we hear this, that should break our hearts. Because we know people who we love. People's sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, who don't know Christ. But there's time, there's hope. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Hope for the sinner, hope for the world is not in attending our church's programs and completing the various classes that we put on. These are good. They serve a purpose. And I'm not bashing them, but the hope for the world is not found in them. They're not the final solution for injustice, for sickness, for sin, and for death. No matter how much we do, these things will continue. 
But there is hope because there is the grace of God. There is hope because God is willing to give us what we don't deserve. Only Jesus brings the victory. And only Jesus restores what has been broken by sin. When Christ returns, there will be victory because his death paid for our sin. And the fact that he rose from the grave shows us that God has power over death, but that God also has the power to make what was broken new again. <laughs> Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 5. This is the uh, Apostle John. He's, he's writing about heaven. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And when John describes heaven, do you notice how he describes it as what it's not? Because these are things that are familiar to us here on earth. And the book of Revelation was a message of encouragement to a church that was going through difficult and discouraging times. It's a message of victory and reward for the faithful Christians. And in the, in the book of Revelation, many times it looked like Satan was winning. It looked like evil was going to win in the end. But when Christ returned, that was the game changer. And the message of Revelation is that Jesus wins. Now we share that hope today. We live in great anticipation of Christ's return and, and the restoration and the redemption that he is going to bring. And we look forward to eternity and what all that will be, where there's no war, where there's no sickness, where there's no death, where there's no pain, where there's no hatred, or any of those evils and bad things we've experienced here on earth. But while we are here, we make the most of our opportunity, because when Christ died on the cross, he died so that many could have life. And we want to get that message out here at Halifax Christian Church. And what we've done is we've made up invitations for our Easter service. And you can grab some on the way out. But Easter is a really good time to invite people to church. We're planning some really exciting things for our Easter service as well. But just invite somebody to attend with you where they're going to hear this message of hope and of victory for the church. But if you want to know more about Jesus today and the victory he brings, please speak to me or one of the other pastors after the service. But what we're going to do now is we're going to celebrate communion. Where we celebrate that Jesus went to the cross, he bore our sin and shame, and because of that, we can have life because he conquered sin. He conquered death. But because he rose again, we too will share in that. And when we stand before Christ, when we go home or when Christ returns, it will not be because I was good enough. It will all be because Christ was a sufficient Savior, because we put our trust in Him. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when the bread and the cup come forward, just hold on to them.
And we're going to pray and we're going to take those together in celebration.